Amen. Amen. Can you thank them for leading us in worship? Thank you. Do me a favor, track down a Bible. We've got some in baskets that should be on the floor. You can pull out your device and fire that thing up as well. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 9, which in the Bibles that we have here would be on page 842. The section we'll be looking at is on page 842. I have the joy of opening the Word with you, and I'm going to read the text in just a moment. I'll pray, and then we'll get to work, but I, I want to tell you about what we're up to. As a church, we're launching into a new series called Serve, and we're going to talk about some very specific ways that we can serve one another, our church family, our community, um, but, but we're going to use Luke chapters 9, 10, and 11 really as kind of the platform for us to have this discussion together as a church. So we will get very practical. I'll give you specific things that you can do, like buying coats for, for um, one of the schools here in the Harlem School District for uh, elementary kids, which by the way, if you find some sales this week and you're like, man, here's a coat for a little boy or a little girl, you can pick that thing up. But we, we want to give you some very specific and tangible things that you can do to serve and bless our community. But this morning, we're going to start even further back. So not just telling you what you could do, but I also want to show you what could sustain you while you serve. And, and, and here's what I'm getting at. Jesus created a group of people that he called his followers or his disciples. And, and, and those individuals, he was teaching them how to serve. And, and I just want to say, what we're going to find here even this morning will actually give you more of a staying power when it comes to serving other people. I mean, this time of year, there's a lot of good initiatives, a lot of opportunities. A lot of people are just thinking, uh, you know, sentimentally, they're like, well, I want to help people. I want to bless people. I want to do something. And that's great. And I love that our calendar has stuff like that on there. But I want to show you that being a disciple of Christ can help you to serve people 24-7 throughout the entire year. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time this morning in God's Word looking at this call to discipleship and this call to cross-shaped service. So do me a favor and uh, track with me as we read this. I'll read it and then I'll pray. We'll get to work. We're starting in verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading to Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, we ask right now as we've opened your word together that you would speak to each of our hearts, and we pray, God, that you would help us to be sincere disciples of yours. God, we're, we're grateful that you invite us into this radical way of life, that you invite us to follow you and learn from you and become like you. And Lord, we pray that as a church family that we would grow in our ability to display Christ-likeness. 
and grow in our ability to serve the community and to serve one another and serve within this church, God. But we're, we're asking right now that you would speak to each of us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to learn a few different things. We're going to, we've got a few lessons that we're going to notice from the text here. We're going to look at following Jesus while we wander. I'll show you in a minute that the, the track to Jerusalem isn't a straight line, but it kind of goes all over the place. And the point, I think, is that Jesus is teaching his followers what it looks like to really serve and to really be a disciple. So we're going to learn about that, following Jesus while we wander. We're going to learn about following Jesus, the one who forgives. And, uh, and then we're going to look at following Jesus with total and complete commitment to him. So let's get after it. Following Jesus while wandering. Look at verse 51. As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. He is saying, we are going to Jerusalem. And he knows what that means. In fact, he just explained uh, earlier in the, in the same chapter that he knew, we're going there and I'm going to be handed over and crucified, but I will rise again. So he knows he's going to a cross and then ultimately to glory, to heaven. And this idea has shown up so many times. If you've been around Central MP for a handful of weeks, we've actually seen this show up at least three times recently. Jeff and I were talking this week and he's like, man, there are times where God just keeps highlighting the same thing. It's the same lesson over and over and over again because God wants it to click for us. We don't just want a little bit of knowledge about, yeah, Jesus went to the cross, but he wants us to really get it and to embrace it and for it to become a part of our fabric, a part of the way that we do life. And, um, and so over and over again, we're hearing about this reality that Jesus is going to a cross and God keeps highlighting this over and over again. So whoever is not getting it yet, Come on, let's get after this thing. Hopefully the lesson finally clicks today. But Jesus is going to the cross and, and, um, and, and he's traveling there and he goes to the Samaritan village in order to get things ready, but then he gets rejected. But here's what's happening. I want you to see this. From verse 51 forward, a lot of the commentators point out this now becomes a travel log. So if he knows this is where we're going, we're going to Jerusalem and here's everything that's going to happen there then as Luke is telling us the story and as it unfolds, everything for us then is a travelogue. So what I would expect is for it to be kind of linear, for it to make sense, for us to go, okay, they must have punched it in their phones and they said, fastest route to Jerusalem, no tolls, and then they start marching in that direction. And you would think, yeah, maybe they would stop a few times along the way, but they're going there, so the, the line we would anticipate would be somewhat straight. But, but this is, you know, chapter 9, verse 51, all the way through chapter 19, verses like 44, 45. So, so we have this lengthy amount of travel, and what we see is that it's a little bit like they're wandering around. And so if you start to think, okay, why didn't they go directly there if Jesus knew and was determined to get there why didn't they just hustle and just kind of double time and get to Jerusalem as fast as they could? Well, one of the reasons why I think they wander around for a season is because Jesus not only wants to get to Jerusalem, he not only wants to get to the cross, he wants to get the cross into his disciples. He doesn't just want to arrive at the destination, but he wants to use the time that they're traveling together to teach and instruct them what it looks like to follow in the way of a crucified Savior. So he has all of these different things where he's teaching them along the way, some lessons and some object lessons and some experiences that they share together. And a part of the reason why is because he's going to a cross, 
but his disciples are going to have to live that cross-shaped life out as well. And so what God does for us is he leverages every experience that we have to help us become more like his son. And some of us right now, we feel like we're wandering and, and we think, can't I just arrive? God, can't you just get me to this place in life where I'm comfortable and where I'm doing what you've asked me to do? And I'm just kind of living in that rhythm and routine of knowing my calling and fulfilling that calling. And we get eager to arrive, but God is doing something in the journey. And that process is very important. The lessons that we learn along the way are very important so that we could begin to see and feel and demonstrate what it really looks like to follow in the way of the cross. And so for some of us right now, this is that season. And we're eager to get beyond it, but I want you to embrace it because God's doing something here. And the thing that we should be doing is asking God, what is the lesson that I need to learn? What is it that you're trying to show me? What is it that in this moment is important for me to learn? And, and I don't just want to blow past this. I mean, most of us in our society, we're very eager to accomplish things. Working with students for almost a decade, that was just a consistent theme that the students would want to get into college and finish their degree program and get into their vocation. And some of them, in fact, some of them even today, they're in their, their program and they knew they were going to do a bachelor's and then a master's. So they cram it together and they go, what should normally take eight, I'm doing in five. And they're just trying to fast track it and get through this season. And, and I got to remind them and us as well, let's not blow through the season that we're currently in. What if God is teaching us something profound right now? And what if it involves the difficulty of the place that we're presently in? What if we can't learn this lesson without experiencing something about the season we're in? So, so for the disciples here, they have to experience rejection. They go to Samaria and they go into a village and the people say, you're not welcome here. And what they're learning there, they couldn't learn if it was easy and they just got to the you know, holiday inn and everything was fine and they just keep marching forward. But being rejected was a part of the learning process. Some of us have to go through the pain and the rejection and the difficulty and the object lessons and all of that. And God is doing something beautiful because he's helping us to become more like his son. So we follow Jesus even while we wander. We follow Jesus even while we go through these different difficult and different things. Um, and, and one of the things that I was thinking about this week was, and I think it's part of my job, but I think through how can I help as many people as possible from the McChesney Park campus become more like Christ? And that, I think that's part of what I'm supposed to do. So I sit down and I wonder, okay, is there some steps that I would be looking for, some benchmarks? And this week especially, I was reminded spiritual formation, people becoming like Christ is actually a really messy process. There are certain things that we hope people will do, and there might even be a progression in them, but a lot of times the growth in Christ-likeness looks like wandering. And there are good seasons where people have kind of this hypercharged thing and they grow a lot, and there are kind of barren seasons, and there are all kinds of different things, but that whole thing is a part of the process. And so for us, we need to embrace it. We're, we're all on this journey and if we will allow God, we can, be, we can be praying, God, what are you doing right now? We know you're at work. Help me to become like your son. So we want to follow Jesus while we wander. We want to be willing to invite him into everything that we're doing. And we want to be learners. We want to be aware of what God is up to because he's making us more like his son. That's that first lesson that we see. Then we learn 
that we're following one who forgives other people. We're following one who doesn't retaliate, but he loves. Look at this, verse 53. When, when they got there to that village, the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. There was hostility there between Samaritans and Israelites, and there was this long-standing history of racism flowing in both directions, and they just didn't get along. And so when they get there, they get rejected, which is normal. I'm going to show that to you in just a minute. But, but they do also what is normal, which is to retaliate. If they don't want us, we don't want them either. So they go to Jesus. Look at this, verse 54. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? If they don't want us in their town, we're the people of God, we're your disciples, we're the followers of the Messiah. If they don't want us, do you want us to call down the fire of God on them? And that's such a normal response. In fact, I think what they're doing is, is following in the steps of their very own faith. In fact, if you look at the little footnote, some of, some of the, the Bibles have this little phrase on there, just like Elijah. They're saying, could we do what our famous prophet did? When he came into, into a situation where people rejected him, he prayed, fire fell down on his enemies. And so they're just thinking, we're just being good disciples. We're followers of God. We want to see the power of God at work. And they're doing what is so normal for everyone, which is, this. It's when we get in conflict and somebody goes against us, we begin to retaliate. And we think, and especially for Christians, we try to spiritualize it. I'm the good guy. They're the bad guy. And we begin to look for opportunities to inflict harm. And, and instead of moving toward them in love, we criticize them. We justify ourselves. We speak poorly about them. That's so normal. But a couple things we need to learn. First is rejection is a normal thing for Christians. If you're going to follow Christ, you have to be aware that your obedience to him will put you out of step with people. Your, your faithfulness to following Christ will make you something of an outcast in the world that you live in. And sometimes that shows up in your workplace. Sometimes that shows up in your extended family. This week as you're having a meal maybe with some, some extended family members, your commitment to Christ might make you an outsider. And you have to be okay with being rejected because of your commitment to him. Rejection is normal. That's his, that was Jesus' own experience, and I think his followers have to embrace that as well. I think that hostility toward Christ is a normal thing, and so if we're going to follow him, we should be ready for that. But here's the thing that we really need to learn. Jesus is now showing us there's a better way, that, that retaliation isn't the way. And James and John, they're thinking the judgment of God and his wrath is showing up and we've got the king and we're marching into the city and this is all great, but we want people to know the glory of God and his wrath and his power and his judgment. And Jesus says, time out, dudes, not yet. Because right now, I'm going to love people. And the judgment of God is not going to fall on them, it's going to fall on me. Jesus is saying, look, this is the way that my followers demonstrate what it means to follow me they love. And he turns and he rebukes them. Verse 55 and following, Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. He's saying, this isn't the way that we're doing this. I'm going to show you a better way. I'm going to show you the way of forgiveness and it's going to be costly. He's going to love enemies. 
And he's going to love them so much that he lays down his life for them. So the Bible's able to say in other places, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. And here we see it in real time where Jesus is saying, yes, there are people who do not want us in their town, but we're going to love them. And we're not going to call down fire from heaven. Fire from heaven is coming, but it's going to land on a different dude. It's going to land on Jesus. And he's going to take the wrath of God, do sinners and those who reject God, and he's going to take it on himself so he can offer forgiveness and grace. So what we see then is that we're following a king who's on his way to a cross. And what that means is we're going to deal with people who might be enemies, but we're going to do business a little different. We're not going to look at them and go, you guys are the bad guys and we want you to experience harm. We're going to look at them with the eyes of Christ and say, God made you and I love you. And for me to love you is going to be hard. It's going to be costly. I'm going to have to absorb some of the pain and the hurt. I'm going to have to take on myself that I want to retaliate and I want to get even, but instead I'm following my Savior who he went to a cross to rescue me. So it's this new way of life, friends, and that's what he's calling us to do, to display the love of God in a very real and tangible way that we're going to deal with people, but we're going to love them like Christ loved us. And we're going to forgive, and we're going to be gentle, and we're going to be patient and kind. And this is not easy, but it is the way of the cross. And the more deeply that you get the cross into you, the more you understand your forgiveness the easier it'll become to look at somebody who's doing harm to you, to your family, to people you love, and to say, I can still love you, even if you won't love me. And that's exactly what Jesus does, and that's what he's calling us to. So we are learning to follow Jesus, the one who forgives. Here's the third thing we see here. We're following Jesus, and we need to follow him with complete commitment. He's trying to create some people who, who can do this. And what he's going to point out now is, it is not a lighthearted commitment. It's a pretty hefty deal. If you're going to be with him and you're going to follow him, it's not something you kind of just go, yeah, I'm going to try this out a little bit. He's saying this is a radical call to surrender and discipleship. So three different times, three different people, he shows us this cost of commitment. Verses 57 and 58, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. That's a pretty good deal. As a church leader, Somebody comes up to me and they say, I'm in, I love this church, I love you guys, I love what's going on here, we're, we're in, we'll follow you, I'll follow Christ. We, we celebrate that. We, we kind of, we'll make a video about it. We'll say, look, this person is following Christ, this person is committed, but what does Jesus do here? He pushes back on him and he says, will you really follow me? Look at what happens here in verse 58. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You say that you'll follow me, but do you understand the commitment you're getting yourself into? You say that you'll follow me, but do you understand that I'm traveling right now with my band of followers and we don't have a place that we call home? And we sleep wherever we can find a good place to kind of set up for the night. We just do that. Are you sure you're willing to take on this, this high calling of being my disciple? It is not easy. And that's the point. We need to recognize the call to discipleship is not an easy call. It's a call of surrender. It's a call of commitment. It's a call that says, I'm going to follow him, even if he marches me into hostile territory, even if I don't have immediate provisions for myself, I'm going to follow him because it's worth it. 
And Jesus is asking this guy and us this morning, are you really willing to follow me? Because I don't have much to offer you by way of physical, material blessings in this moment, but you got to understand it is worth it. And so are you willing to follow him? That's the first guy. And one of the things that I want you to see here is that following Jesus could lead you straight into hardship. Following him might not just be the easy road to heaven. It might be straight into hostile territory and difficulty. Another thing that this teaches us is that following him, again, puts you totally out of step with what's normal. In fact, uh, he's making a comment here that has some political connotations. That uh, There's a guy named T.W. Morgan, and he shows that in that time period, the, to call somebody a fox was a political derogatory term. That it, it communicated something about political allegiances. And Jesus himself called the king at that time a fox in Luke chapter 13. So when he says, foxes have, you know, they've got a place to go. Birds have places to go, but I have no place. Here's what he's saying. In this society, everyone's got a place, unless you're one of my followers. You will be completely out of step with what is currently going on. Are you willing to do that? Here's something we have to take away from this. When it comes to politics, when we follow Jesus, we can't claim total allegiance to a system. Because Jesus was out of step with the politics of his day, and he calls his followers to embrace him and his agenda and his kingdom more than any kind of political affiliations. He was more conservative with truth than anyone else, and that put him out of step with the Romans, and he was also more generous and kind and liberal in the way he dealt with people, and that put him out of step with the Jews. He got killed because of the fact that he did not fit in anywhere. If we're going to follow him, he's reminding us you're not going to have a home in the system. Everyone else is going to feel right at home in their commitments, but if you're going to follow him, you're going to be out of step, and that's okay. That's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing even as we begin to display his kingdom and his agenda. The next guy, he said to another man, verse 59, follow me, follow me. He invites now this guy, the first guy volunteers himself, but he invites this dude, and this guy says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father which is an important thing to do in their society. This was, this was obedience to the commandment of honoring your father and mother. To make a provision for, for a deceased loved one was an important thing. And to disobey it would be disobeying God. And this guy is saying, I'm happy to follow you, but I've got to do this one thing first. And Jesus is pushing the envelope and he's saying, look, following me is the supreme reality. This is what he says in verse 60. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Man, I wish David wouldn't pick texts like this because sometimes I look at you guys and I'm like, I'm sorry for what's happening right now, but Jesus is, he's calling us, man. He's saying, look, this is the hard way of the cross. And, and um, you know, there are things that we think, yeah, I got to do this. This is my obligation as a good citizen. This is my obligation to be just a good person, a good family member. There are things that I need to get done. And Jesus is saying, all of that is secondary to following after him. He's saying, look, let the dead bury their own dead. You've got a mission and you've got a task. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And we have to be willing to say, I will embrace that calling, even if it means inconvenience, even if it's hard, even if it, even if it means I'm doing something different than what I thought I should be doing. But, but, but that's what Jesus is calling us to. He's saying that the allegiance to him is the supreme reality. It's to be prioritized. The third individual comes up to him, verse 61, still another said, 
I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. This is pretty wild, but I, I think that Elijah is kind of in the background of this story. I think, you know, we saw him in the little footnotes earlier, but, but this is what Elijah did. When he got a disciple, there was a guy who was going to follow him, and he calls him and he says, look, guy, I want you to be my disciple. You're going to come with me. Your life is going to be radically changed. And then I think, if I remember correctly, he, he began to cry, and he told him, go home and say goodbye to your mom and dad, because this new way of life is going to totally change everything. So you need to go have a meal with them, let them know what's happening, and then we're going to peace out and we're going to go. And he sends them home. And Jesus is saying to us, following him is more significant than even following the heroes of the faith. That everyone in their day and age would hear the name Elijah and they would think that would be the greatest calling ever to be his disciple. And Jesus is saying, following me is even more significant than that. Following Jesus is the most significant commitment that we can make. So we say, Lord, let me go take care of business. Let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And he says, verse 52, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What's he saying? There needs to be this decisive moment of surrender where we look at Jesus and we go, I know if I follow you, it is going to be so disruptive. I, I like my life. I like being the captain of my life. I like making my own choices for myself and my family. But if I'm really serious about you and your kingdom, I'm going to surrender all of that. And I'm going to lay down my rights and my wants even, and I'm just going to be co-opted into your mission. And Jesus is saying, that is a good decision, and, and it should be so profound in your heart and in your mind that to even entertain what it would look like to go back would feel like treason. That you would say, I am so committed to this man and his mission. I'm committed to following Jesus. I'm surrendering my life to him that we don't even think about what it could look like if we did it differently. We don't even look back and go, man, I wonder what my life would be like if I wasn't a campus pastor, if I wasn't serving God in my vocation, if I wasn't following Christ with everything that I've got. Jesus is saying, look, if you want to live out this way of the cross, there has to be a moment of surrender. And you have to be willing to say, I'm his disciple and I'm going with him and everything else is secondary in my life. Now I'm bringing that up this morning because I got to ask you, has that been your experience? Have you surrendered to him? Not just tried it out like, oh, I like church. I'll go to church when it's convenient. But have you surrendered to him where you're willing to say, he is my king and he gives me my marching orders. And whatever he wants me to do, I will do it gladly because that is a beautiful thing. J.C. Ryle puts it like this. He said, let us tell people plainly that there's a crown of glory at the end. It's worth it. Guys, it is so worth it to surrender to Christ. There is a crown of glory. He said, let us tell them plainly, there's a crown of glory at the end, but let us also tell them as plainly that there's a daily cross to be taken up. If you're a follower of Christ, we are beginning to live out this cross-shaped life, and we have to be willing to surrender to him and embrace this high calling. So I think we have it in us to serve people well, but I think the thing that's going to motivate us to do it is following our king, that we surrender to him, and that helps us to love even our enemies. So the band's going to come up in just a moment, and let me remind you of what we've seen here. Jesus is on the move, and he is changing us from the inside out. 
And he's leveraging every experience that we're presently going through. He's not wasting any material. He's not waiting for you to get to some other destination. He's at work right now in your heart, in your life, calling you to himself and teaching you things about what it means to be his follower. He's calling us to be followers of him and able to love and sacrifice for the good of others, even those who are mean. He's calling us to forgive and be gracious and kind and patient with people because that's exactly what he did for his own enemies. He's inviting you to that. And then he's reminding us this thing that he's inviting us to is significant. You actually have to be willing to take this, the big step of faith that says, I'm going with him. I'm going to follow him. Come what may, I'm going to follow him. And so this morning, I'm, I'm inviting you to follow him, to surrender to him, to let your life be completely aligned to the king of glory who dies for his enemies. I'm going to pray and the band's going to come, but let's go before the throne of grace right now. Lord, we thank you that you loved us enough to die. And you, you made it very clear of your mission to go to the cross. And now you invite your followers to join you. Pray, Lord, in this uh, auditorium this morning that you would help us to embrace that high calling. We, we want to be your followers. We don't just want to come to church. We don't just want to talk about Christianity. We actually want to follow our king. And we know that that might be hard and difficult and we're going to have to surrender, but we're okay with that because we know it's a good thing. So help us, God, to embrace the call to discipleship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I'm going to be available right after the service at Guest Central. And if you are making a decision to follow Jesus for your very first time, I'd love to chat with you and pray with you. James is available right now. So if you're just feeling like God's doing some stuff in you and you want to talk through that and process it and receive prayer, please do go to him right now and just, and just uh, receive prayer. Why don't you stand up with us and we're going to worship once more.